A series of eerie photos is just one piece of a strange mystery surrounding the death of two Dutch girls. On April 1st, 2014, Chris Kramers and Lisanne Froon, two students in their early 20s, set out on a hike in the jungle near Bouquet, Panama. Two months later, their mutilated remains were discovered miles off the beaten path. Theories range from government cover-ups, foul play, drug cartels, and a deviant tour guide. But one thing is for sure. Chris and Lisanne's case, known to the locals as Caso de Holandesas, or the case of the Dutch girls, remains one of the strangest disappearances in Panamanian history. I'm Chris. Thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. The girls left their home in the Netherlands for a working vacation. They spent months planning and scraping together enough cash to explore Central America for six weeks. They wanted to sightsee around the jungle and take selfies against the mountainous backdrops. But they also wanted to learn Spanish and volunteer with the local children. They landed in Panama on March 15, 2014. They spent two weeks touring the country, checking box after box off their bucket list. On March 29th, they arrived in Bouquet, a small town nestled in the mountains not far from the border of Costa Rica. They were staying with a local host family while they worked at a school. The plan was to stay for a month and perfect their Spanish. They had their itinerary all planned out. They were going to spend April 1st hiking the El Pianista Trail, going all the way up to the top of the Continental Divide. It should have been less than a day's hike. For the next day, they had a tour booked with a local guide, but they never showed up. Tuesday morning dawned bright and sunny. The girls set out for the trailhead dressed in shorts and tank tops. They had a backpack with a few things inside, nothing you'd call life-saving supplies, and they didn't bother with jackets. To get to the summit and back would have seen them home by 3.30 or so, but the sun set with no sign of them. They both kept in regular contact with their parents back home. Despite the Netherlands being seven hours ahead, Chris and Lisanne's parents got daily, if not hourly, updates. But the chatter suddenly stopped on April 1st. Four days later, their parents arrived in Panama and combed the jungle with local police, looking for any sign of their missing daughters. Ten more days passed with no trace of the girls. By this time, the weather had turned rainy. If they were lost in the jungle, starvation and fatigue would be close to killing them. And the elements weren't the only thing to fear. There is one predator at the top of the food chain that would have no problem stalking the girls high in the mountains. Man. The search for the girls came up empty, and Panamanian authorities ruled their disappearance an accident. Even experienced local hikers get lost and hurt on the steep rocky banks of the El Pianista Trail. If they found themselves on the other side of the divide, off the main trail, the winding rapids of the Serpent River could be enough to drag any would-be hiker to their death. The authorities assumed Chris and Lisanne fell in the river, hit their heads, and drowned in the rapids. But evidence found two months after their disappearance poked millions of holes in their story. Nearly two months after they went missing, an indigenous woman found a backpack near Alto Romero, a village along the banks of the Serpent River. Inside, authorities found both girls' cell phones, sunglasses, bras, a camera, $83 in cash, and Lisanne's passport. The discovery prompted a new search in the Alto Romero area, and investigators soon recovered Chris's jean shorts, a piece of her pelvis, and Lisanne's boot with her foot still inside it. 
There was no question both girls were dead. The only thing left to ask was why and how. The police, the government, the internet, the locals, everyone had their own theories on what happened to the girls. The government stuck to their accident theory. As far as they were concerned, the girls went off the beaten path, got lost in the jungle, fell in the river, and drowned. Then again, tourist revenue is critical to the economy. A killer loose in the jungle preying on young foreign tourists wouldn't be good for business. Meanwhile, hiring local guides to navigate the dangerous terrain lest you end up like the missing students, was a unique selling point. The internet cried foul play. The scientific community couldn't seem to decide, and the police played both sides of the fence. Some ruled it an accident, while others remained skeptical. Meanwhile, some of the locals leaned towards the supernatural. Legends speak of a short-statured indigenous tribe living in caves and mountainous jungles. Their hair stretches down to their waist, and they paint their copper-toned skin with vertical white stripes. They have menacing teeth as sharp as stone, and crave human flesh as the ultimate delicacy. The Nassau people call them Indios Conejos, or Rabbit Indians. As the legend goes, they're a nocturnal tribe that hunts at night and sleeps in dark caves during the day. The sun blinds them, and they rely on a keen sense of smell to detect outsiders from miles away. But like Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, Skinwalker Ranch, and the Loch Ness Monster, the legend of the Rabbit Indians is exactly that. A legend. Urban myth aside, the most concrete pieces of evidence were their phones, Lisanne's camera, their clothes, and their bones. Perhaps the 100-plus images on the camera's memory card could piece together what happened in the jungle. But if anything, the photos raised even more questions. The first few dozen pictures seemed normal. Chris and Lisanne switched off taking photos against the beautiful backdrop. They're on the trail, happy, smiling, and safe, rather than frightened, worried, or in danger. Things take a turn as the photos place the girls farther from Bouquet. As any experienced hiker knows, you must always trek back the same distance you walked, unless the path circles back and you know that for a fact. Walking too far out into the unknown territory is the easiest way to get lost. By nightfall, the camera was snapping a series of eerie photos, multiple images of terrain barely visible in the dark, a close-up shot of the back of Chris's head. At least one forensic photography expert talking with the Daily Beast believed the women may have already been lost when the pictures were taken. They might have known they were lost and used the photos as reference images as they tried to get home. Others wonder if they were using the flash as a light in the dark. The final picture showing Chris's face paints a gloomy mood. The smile's gone, replaced by an anxious stare. But the pictures tell an even stranger story than that. The first images were time-stamped on April 1st, taken while the sun was still out. They were labeled 0507 and 0508, and as any photographer knows, your camera's memory card will number your pictures sequentially. So when the next image on Lisanne's camera was labeled 0510, taken on April 8th at around 1.30 a.m., Investigators could only wonder what happened to image 0509, and even more bizarrely, what happened in those missing seven days, and what went down after that. But before we go into that, let's go back to that missing photo. The obvious conclusion is that Lisanne deleted the image, but the same forensic photography expert disputes that theory. 
When people take vacation-type pictures, they often take many bad ones that they'll sort through later. There were several bad pictures on Lisanne's camera left perfectly intact. Why would she delete this one picture? If they were using the pictures as reference points, maybe she wanted to free up some room on her memory card. But if that were true, why wouldn't she delete the more touristy photos of her and Chris? Surely their survival didn't hinge on a few selfies. Then there's the question of when 0509 was deleted. According to the Daily Beast, even when you delete a picture from the camera, it would still appear on the memory card, thus easily accessible with data retrieval software. When Dutch investigators used such software on Lisanne's camera, they couldn't find the picture leading them to believe it was deleted on a computer. After someone found the camera. Did 0509 contradict the government's official accident narrative? We'll probably never know. The girls' phones and call logs fill in a few more gaps. Chris makes the first call to an emergency line in Holland at 9.39 p.m. Panama time, about three hours after sunset. The next morning, both girls tried several more times to call emergency services in Panama and Holland, but the lack of reception made it impossible to get through. By day three, both girls began intermittently turning their phones on and off to conserve battery. Lisanne's phone died on April 5th, but Chris still had some juice left. But what's strange is all the incorrect pin attempts between April 5th and April 11th. Investigators assumed that something must have happened to Chris and Lisanne took control of her phone, but since she didn't know the pin code, she couldn't use it. Chris's phone turned off for the final time on April 11th around noon and was never used again. The evidence in Chris and Lisanne's case points to one indisputable fact. The girls did not plan on spending the night in the jungle. They didn't bring tents, food, or a change of clothes. Most of all, they had a guided tour booked on April 2nd, heading in the opposite direction from where they left in Bouquet. Coincidentally, the tour guide was one of the last people to see them alive, if not the last person. We don't know his real name, but all the locals attest to his reputation. He's a robust 60-something-year-old man who can easily lift a heavy bag of coffee beans over his head. He was athletic and knew the jungle like the back of his hand. He could easily trek out for miles with a back full of supplies without breaking a sweat. Some called him the best tour guide in town, while others pinned him as Panama's most wanted murderer, or at the very least someone with a reputation for hassling female visitors, especially German, Dutch, and Canadian girls. He had a distaste for Americans and rarely, if ever, worked with men. All attempts by the Daily Beast to sit down with the mystery man came up empty, but the locals and leaked police reports filled in plenty of the missing details. Panamanian prosecutors accused him of entering the girl's room after they went missing and before the police could search it. Furthermore, their fragmented remains were found only a few miles away from the guide's house. He specializes in long hikes through the mountains, following the same route Chris and Lisanne got lost on. He knows it well, like it's his own backyard. But the pervy tour guide isn't the only unusual suspect tied to their disappearance. Jeremy Critt with the Daily Beast dug up some other horrifying persons of interest. 
In March 2013, a cartel assassin escaped from a Panamanian prison. He'd been in jail since the late 90s for a woman's savage so-called satanic murder, and he was known to frequent the region. He was still at large when the girls went missing. The next possible killer is nicknamed, and we're not kidding, the Hannibal Lecter of Bugaba. Police arrested him in 2017 after he cut a woman to pieces and then burned her body in a backyard bonfire about 20 minutes from Bouquet. The nickname stems from the unidentifiable raw meat he had on his person when the police caught up with him. As of 2019, he was still under investigation for other missing persons in the area. Based on the evidence and forensic science, the least likely scenario is the one the Panamanian government wants you to believe. By their account, Chris and Lisanne drowned in the river, then predators ripped their bodies apart, ate their flesh, and scattered their remains across the jungle. They also removed their clothing and gnawed off Lisanne's foot without taking it off her shoe. But somehow, all the contents of their backpack stayed dry and undamaged. One of Panama's top medical examiners agreed to speak with reporters under the condition of anonymity. After all, their evidence and theories directly contradict the government's official narrative. Let's begin with the bones and decomposition. With only 10% of Lisanne and 5% of Chris recovered, the ME doubts that animals scavenged their bodies. There were no bite marks or claw marks on the bones, nor any sign that they'd been beaten up by rocks in the river. If they died naturally out in the woods, investigators would have found more of their bodies. The ME referenced the case of Cody Dial, an American hiker who got lost in the same area as Chris and Lisanne. Two years after he went missing, authorities found 90% of his skeleton still intact. His bones also had no sign of bone bleaching. Now, bone bleaching occurs when bones sit out in the hot sun. It's what gives them that whitened or bleached appearance rather than the more natural, dirty, tannish color. But Chris's pelvic bone was bleached, and it wasn't in the sun long enough to do so naturally. And not only that, traces of phosphorus were also found on it. The same substance is commonly used in fertilizer. So, what's that about? One theory points to their death on a local farm. Another theory circles back to the cartels. Cartels are famous for using lye to quickly decompose bodies. In fact, you probably use lye whenever you clean the drains in your bathroom. It's a common ingredient in most household cleaning products since it can break down human waste like hair and skin rather quickly. The few recovered bones, lack of markings, and level of bleaching could point towards lye, or some other corrosive chemical used to get rid of at least one of their bodies. Maybe. And we may never know for sure if they died by accident or something more sinister because there weren't enough of their remains found to say one way or another. But officially, their death has been ruled an accident. Needless to say, this story is both chilling and perplexing. What do you think happened to Chris and Lisanne in that jungle all those years ago? And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button and the bell so you never miss a story. We're here Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, but don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.